Today's episode is brought to you by the Mind Museum. The Mind Museum is a science museum in the heart of Bonifacio Global City. Um, it has around 12,000 square meters of thrilling exploration, five interconnected galleries, over 250 hands-on, minds-on interactive exhibits, and it's for all ages, from the smallest of children to the oldest of men. Um, you can find out more at their website at themindmuseum.org, and you can also book tickets there as well. Welcome everyone to the Scrapyard, where the conversation matters more than the actual an- outcome. I'm Marco Suarez. I'm Johnny. And I'm Pichar Deshardo. So today's guest is Pichar Deshardo, an astronomer and mind mover at the Mind Museum. So we'll get more into that later. But before we get into that... I love to start our segment with a positivity corner. So if you don't mind telling us something that was positive throughout your day, something that made your day a little bit better, it could be something small like maybe playing catch with your little brother or something big like, you know, global warming's fixed. We did it, man. It could could be whatever. So I'll start off and... um, yeah, um, super excited to watch The Mandalorian because Johnny talked it up the, like, the other day. And, <laughs> yeah, like, um, I'm talking about it. I'm looking forward to that once I get home. That's going to make my day a little bit better. Yeah. What about you, Peter? For me, I'm excited to learn that in two weeks, season four of my favorite TV series of all time, The Expanse, is going to air. Yeah, The Expanse. It's a science fiction what? Um, series. Um, the first three seasons were amazing. Some the Expanse. The, the Expanse, yes. Like, what's it about in a nutshell? Or, like, is there anyone that we yes. know that's in it? Um, it is about what would happen if humanity basically works on the same, works with the same system, but on a solar system scale. Whoa. So basically, same things. People are fighting over limited resources, exploiting one another. But this time, there are people on Mars, people in the um, asteroid like, belt. Yeah. Like. And it's really good. It's really good. Interplanetary uh, politics. Interplanetary, yes, indeed, indeed. But on not intergalactic. So yes. I like Very that. Very interesting. I like yeah. that. Yeah. That's a Cowboy Bebop scale, actually. Yes. Very cool. Solar system. That's awesome. And I'm actually going to watch that yes. uh, as well. Um, something would happen to me. Um, our cat is back in the house. His oh. name is Nori. Uh, he's a cute little Ming Ming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love him when he's a little fluff ball. And it's really nice to go home and, you know, just see him. Mm-hmm. So that makes me really happy. Amazing. Uh, so let's go into the rapid fire question segment where we're just going to spitball random questions and uh, you just say whatever's on the top of your head. Okay. Marco, do you want to start off this one? Are you a sun person or a moon person? I, oh, that's hard. Yeah, I got him. Yeah, no that's, that's really good. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Okay, I I guess I would say I am I, I love both of them, but I I would be a sun person because for one, I like long days, like long summer days. I like them. I like uh, the nighttime too, and I like seeing the moon. It's very beautiful. I, yeah. But I also like seeing it during the day. So <laughs> I guess I would say I'm a sun person. That's a that's a great answer. Uh, going back to your expanse answer, if you could live on any of the planets, what would it be? Within the solar system. Oh, just the Earth. I'm just living It's here. the best one. Easy yes, pickings, yes, man. Yeah. We only got one. Um, favorite Greek god or Roman god because they're named after the planets. Way better suited to you. Hmm. Favorite Greek god or Roman god yeah. would be... Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I guess I would go with Mercury. Yeah, Mercury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very quick, very fast, mercurial. Mm. Bit of a trickster. Yep. Ooh. I a good time. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, peanut butter or Nutella? I would pick... Nutella. Huh. Yeah. Good answer. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's pretty good. Do you like ice cream or do you like cake? Huh. 
I would like ice cream. I would know for sure because my favorite kind of cake is the kind of cake that's also kind of like ice cream. That ice cream yeah. cake? Like ice chocolate cake. mousse or ice cream cake. There it is. Yes, the kind of cake that, you know, it's made of bread. We're on the I'm same not team. a big fan of that. Right, right. I like it. Um, if you were an animal, what animal would you think you would be? I would be... I'd be a raccoon dog. A, a raccoon, raccoon dog. So is a raccoon dog an actual animal, or are you talking about like a cross between a raccoon? No, and it's a dog? an actual animal. No. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I've never heard of it. What yep, is it? Yep. It is. It's. It is what it sounds like. It's a raccoon yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. It it is a raccoon, but it looks like a dog and okay. has very dog-like characteristics. Another animal that I think I would be would be one of those domesticated foxes. You know, when they try to domesticate mm. yeah, yeah, to yeah. domesticate foxes, and they end up. Looking like dog and behaving like dogs. Yeah. That oh, would be I one see. of those two. That's another option. And they end up running away, meeting the love of their life, leaving <laughs> you, an old elderly lady, alone. Lady in the trap? No. Fox what? and Hound. Fox and Hound. Okay, sorry. <laughs> like, movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Last question, Mark. In an RPG class game, are you mm. a warrior, a thief, or a mage? I would be... Uh, or anything else outside of those. Yeah, questions. I'd be a healer. Wow. Yeah, a cleric? I'd be support. Yep, yeah. a cleric. Yeah, clerics are through. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Great answers. Actually, great question. I like that. I'm actually going to steal that in the future. Yeah, ones. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, Peter, let's get into the uh, meat of the mm-hmm. discussions. You said earlier you were a mind mover at yeah. the Mind Museum. Yes. What is a mind mover? A mind mover is basically a science communicator here at the Mind Museum. But since we wanted you know, to uh, break free from the four walls of the classroom and just um, communicate science in a way that makes it alive, makes it part of um, everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we call ourselves mind movers, basically, to remind people that when you try to communicate science, it moves your mind. Yeah. It's in, your mind is really in a place that it wasn't in before. Yeah. That's actually quite awesome. Um, so your background is astronomy. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Was this something that you've always kind of wanted to be? Were you inspired by any particular people early on in your life that pushed you to become an astronomer? Yeah, so it's both um, it's both something that I've always wanted to be, uh-huh. and it's also part serendipity. Awesome. Serendipity. Yeah. Yes, and it goes like this. So um, when I was... Uh, um, young boy, <laughs> this is. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna break <laughs> this. When I was now. a yes. younger lad, <laughs> when I was a um, a little kid back in the province in Negros, yeah. my home province, um, one of the most open pages in our collection of encyclopedias would be the page on the constellations. So you know those um, family collections of encyclopedias going from yeah, yeah, A yeah. to Z or one to yeah. twenty. Uh, the most open page would be the list of the breeds of the dogs and then <laughs> the the constellations of um the sky because i would open it um very regularly often and yeah. i would go up to the roof of our house and just try to see as many of the constellations as i can figure out oh where where the bear is where all of these other constellations are uh, and when i would see them and then when i was in so that's a part of my childhood and another thing that really uh, made me fall in love with astronomy would be my experience in high school um, first year high school when um, I was already asleep in our school dormitory and then our teacher just um, one day woke us uh, one night woke us up it was a night um, it was a Thursday night I remember I was already uh, about to sleep at 11 in the evening and the teacher said um, just went into our room and woke up woke me up 
And apparently he was waking everyone else up as well. And he said he would go out. We, we should go out into the lawn of the school. And when we went out, we, I, we lie down on the grass um, and then looked up into the stars and then said, okay, that's fine. Stars, I see. And then we saw one meteor and then another. And then we started counting. This is fun. Two, three, four, five. And we got tired at around 89. And yeah, it kept on going. It 89. was it, 89, yes. It, up, wow. it, was, it reached up to, I don't know, hundreds of hundreds of them. Because it was 2001, and it was not just your regular meteor storm. It was a, sorry, it was not a regular meteor shower. It was what is known as a meteor storm. Right? What people, meteor storm is meteor the storm. coolest name yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah, man. That was the meteor storm of the Leonids, which happens every 33 years or so. So the next time that would happen would be in the year 2034. Book it. Yeah, mark <laughs> that on your calendar. I'll be there. November, yeah. right around this time of November, in fact, around the second week of November uh, to third week of November, 2033 or 2034. Awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so um, that really inspired me and that fired up my interest for for outer space yeah, and yeah. Um, it was one of the reasons why um, when I went to college I studied physics at yeah. university and then um, I got this job working for the museum um, after I graduated right so I, I taught for a bit in a high school and then I was hired here in the museum to communicate science and then this is where the serendipity comes in um, there's this thing we do here in the museum in the office where um, every Friday we are given an hour yeah, 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 yeah. to talk about something we like. Yes. We call it brain rain, right? So when I was assigned to it one Friday, I said, oh, okay, I'm going to talk about outer space. Oh. Yeah, I did not have any formal training in it. My formal training was in physics, um, general physics. But I said, I wanted to talk about this. And then when I did, they said, oh, that's so cool. That's so awesome. We need someone here in the museum <laughs> to talk about outer space. And um, we'd like to have a telescope and maybe an astronomy camp. And maybe you can be that guy. Oh, wow. And I was like, I don't know anything about those stuff. Right. But I said, sure. Why not? Why not? That's yes. awesome. I didn't and know that. I accepted the challenge. I said, sure, let's buy a telescope. I don't know how to operate one but I can learn yeah. it when I have it in front of me. And same goes with um, all these stuff about astronomy. I, can, I, I became a member of the Philippine Astronomical Society. I attended a lot of their um, overnight events, like yeah. in um, Manila Observatory in Ateneo, yeah, yeah, yeah. and their other overnight trips, and I learned a lot from them. And that's how I um, became the astronomer here at the Mind Museum. That's amazing. I... Well, for uh, comparison, did not get that same treatment in Brain Rain. I talked about the uh, mostly about the sex lives of animals, <laughs> and uh, I was met with stunned silence, <laughs> and I was asked politely to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> Very different experience, but I didn't know that. That's awesome, and yeah. So Peter um, handles a lot of astronomy events, mm. and uh, the, they're they're honestly super cool. Like they're so awesome. I've I've been through like a bunch of them, and I've learned so much. So I didn't know that, that that's that's really great to hear. So that is a little bit uh, serendipitous. Um, was it a big leap for you jumping from physics to astronomy? Because th obviously there's the field of astrophysics, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. How familiar are you with this? And was it like a big leap you had to make, or not so much? Fortunately, 
not a very big leap because if there's something you learn from majoring in science, in physics in particular, it's that uh, talent and yeah, talent just counts for a little. Right. right? What what counts for a lot would be just um, working hard to learn something. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically, what it gives you is the sense that. You can learn everything. Just give it some time. Yeah. Right. Give it yeah. some time. People with Good a point. people with a talent in it have a head start, but if you give it enough time, you can learn it. And basically, it gave me that confidence that hey, I, I can learn this thing. Um, and yes, um, there is a strong relationship between um, physics mm-hmm. and astrophysics because, of course, physics is the language, or mathematics is the language of outer space. Like, uh-huh. yeah, everything in outer space moves. Um, according to mathematical formulae, mm-hmm. but there are some there are other things about astronomy that are not that closely related to physics and are more closely related to culture. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and so basically, for example, the constellations, the story behind the constellations, right, 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 right. yeah, why the constellations are made that way, why they were named that way, how the different constellations are named in different cultures. That that was a, a totally different thing, but it's something that people are very interested in. That's absolutely right? yeah. true. And and constellations basically that's a memorization game as well. Yeah. So you just have to love the stories behind them and love how how they were made, the, the culture behind yeah. them in order to memorize them quickly. And that really helped. What's one of your favorite constellation stories? Because I, I I don't know any. Like I know that they they I don't know. I can't I can't. What there's mm-hmm. Little Dipper and the Big Dipper, and that's yeah. pretty. Much, I I think they were the North Star was used for uh, topography and like navy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's it. That's all I know. I know very little. Okay, my favorite constellation story would be. So there's this constellation in the sky called Orion, right? Yeah. Where the famous Orion's Belt. Right. And Orion is a hunter. And what's really interesting is that in many cultures around the world, those same groups of stars are called by different names, but those names are usually related to hunting. Wh- what? Always. Yes. Yeah. That's really? so cool. Yeah, yeah, mostly. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, mostly, mostly. In, in some cultures, it's called the cat's cradle. Okay. But in many other cultures, like in many of the cultures here in the Philippines, really? it was called something related to hunting. Like in many cultures in the Philippines, it's called um, Balatik, which means a hunting trap. And the three stars oh. of Orion's belt are imagined to be these three sticks stuck to the ground that is part of the hunting trap. That's so, so interesting, yeah. especially given that the Philippines is, um, I mean, super disjointed when you're talking about like Orion is a Greek figure, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So Greek. it is interesting that in many of these cultures that have that don't have very strong contact over the hundreds of years, yeah, they came up with different names for these group of stars, but they're all related to hunting. And another cool thing also related to Orion would be the fact that Orion is a hunter. And when Orion is up, when you can see Orion in the sky, like around this time of the year, you wouldn't see um, this other shape in the sky called Scorpius, the scorpion. Because according uh. to the story of the Greeks, um, they're mortal enemies and they're, they're, they're cursed to forever run after each other in the sky, chase each other in the sky. And never to meet. So when you see Orion, you won't see the scorpion. And when Orion is about to set, that's when the scorpion is about to rise. They're at opposite sides of the oh. sky and vice versa. Yeah. So when you see the scorpion, 
Scorpius, you would not see Orion. And when the Scorpius is about to set, you would see Orion on the opposite uh-huh. side of the sky about to rise. Yeah, so they're just chasing after each other yes, for eternity. For eternity, yeah. Or avoiding each other like exes. It's <laughs> 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 just had a bad history. Oh, I shut this party, gotta go, man. Oh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, so I know a part other from astronomy at like like um, the Expanse, which you mm. watch. You're also a very big science fiction fan. Yes. And mostly when you talk about outer space, that's very very closely mm. linked with the, the realm of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, Star Trek, yep. s- a Star Star Friends, Star Fr- Star World. Yeah, exactly. Stargate. Stargate. That's an actual one. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of want to tackle a little bit about the role of science fiction and astronomy because a lot of when you mm-hmm. talk about astronomy, it's all theory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, like when we talk about the furthest realms of the universe, it's almost always going to be theory because mm-hmm. physically we're never going to be able to make it there, right? What's mm-hmm. the furthest realm? Furth- not re- okay, when I say realm, I don't mean like another dimension, nothing, okay, I, I don't no, nothing woo-woo, yeah. but like literally the furthest corners of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't know what that was. Yeah, well, I mean, just... Uh, basically, if we don't figure out how to travel faster than light, right? Which we'll never know what it is. Because of how physics is constructed, mm-hmm. it, it's currently not possible to do that by any means. Yeah. Um, so if things are moving at the speed of light away from us, we'll never, ever, ever see them even, or even know they exist. Technically, they're out of the universe, right? For all, as far as we're concerned. Anyway, that's rambling a little bit. Um, mm. Where was I going with this? Speed of light. Um, yeah, so... Astronomy and, and science, science fiction, fiction. Oh, and, yes. the, and the realm of like uh, of theory. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite uh, science fiction theory that could all that could possibly be true? Uh, that's a good one. That sounds yeah. like fun. Okay, so one is something that I think is absolutely true, but we still don't have that, that because that's just how science works. I really think it is true just by sheer logic. Yes. but scientifically spe- scientifically speaking, we cannot yet say. Yeah. It is true. We can only say it's probably true. Yeah. So it's still in the realm of science fiction. And that, of course, would be aliens. Of course. Right? I'm aliens, super yeah. with you. Just, just logically speaking, there yeah. are aliens. There are millions, if not billions of them. Of aliens. Yes. And many of them have civilizations. Yeah. All right. So what are the logical explanations that prove aliens for the people that don't believe in them at all? Um, so it would go like this. So there are so many stars in the whole universe. There, in fact, there are more stars than there are grains of sand in all the beaches of Earth. So mm-hmm. If you can imagine all the beaches on Earth and imagine all the grains of sand in them, there would be more stars. Nice. Right? And even if a tiny fraction of these stars, that's how many they are, even if a tiny fraction of them had planets, mm. and even if only a few of those planets had the Habitable, conditions ripe yeah. for life as we know it, and even if only a few of those planets which have the conditions ripe for life eventually sprout life, and even if only a few of those life forms um, evolve into intelligent beings, there would, the numbers would still add up and say there are lots of civilizations out there. So yeah. just logically, using that logic, right, it right. seems that there should be so many civilizations out there in the universe. It's just that... Scientifically speaking, we don't have proof, proof of them yet. And we're looking out for, 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 for proof that these civilizations exist mm. and that life forms outside the um, solar system exist, outside the Earth. 
An interesting question I've come across pretty often is why do you think if aliens are out there they haven't contacted us or are are we uncontactable to begin with because we're so far apart or I don't know. Yeah, that's another yeah. science fiction thing that I really like to think about. So awesome. Called, right. Yeah. And in fact, it's such a big problem. It was given a name. Right? It's called the uh, no, not the Drake equation. The Drake equation is the equation that helps you compute around how for many, the probability. Yeah, right. for the probability that there's life. It's is it called called the Fermi paradox? The Fermi, yeah, the Fermi, Fermi paradox, paradox. Or in layman's yeah. terms, um, where the aliens at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in fact, the, the, the original <laughs> formulation of that is where is everybody? Uh, yes. Right. Where is everybody? Where is everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Why is there no? Cantina. Literally, what I say whenever yeah. it's my birthday party. <laughs> where, <laughs> where, where, where is where everybody? This again. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and maybe the Earth is experiencing something. Oh, a similar, Marcos right? birthday party. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Earth in alien terms is referred to. It's called Marcus birthday party. Damn. <laughs> At it again. <laughs> yeah. So there are many theories, and again, you can use. Um, logic to to argue for each of these theories to explain why aliens haven't visited us um but of course since we don't have proof for any of them it's still in the realm of speculation or science fiction um so there are if, if you just google solutions to the fermi paradox yeah there's, there's a whole bunch whole bunch and they're also fascinating and right? many of them might uh, make you lose sleep at night yeah. when you read them. What's your favorite? Because here's mine. Mine mm -hmm. is the fact, and this this is a bit more, I guess, on the grim side, mm -hmm. uh, just by basing it on, because our sample size of civilizations is one. Yes. Right? We can only look at ours. Human and civilization, to, yeah. And try and extrapolate from there. Well, it looks like we're, we're not doing too great against the yes. fight and, and the climate crisis. Yeah. So it may very well be the case that we never escape the planetary bounds of yes. Earth yeah. because we exhaust our resources. Uh, this could be a very similar trend in most other civilizations, mm -hmm. and they've gone through the same thing and have died out since. Yes. So in the vast expanse of the universe are hundreds of thousands of empty worlds. Yes. Um, cool. So creepy. That is that it, one's intense. Right? It's called the Great Filter Theory, yeah. and Ooh. it says that there are filters through which um, civilizations must pass through, and that some of them are just so great that very few, if any, civilizations pass through them, like the threat of nuclear war, mm. just um, exploiting your planet until it's there's nothing Done. left yeah. of it's it. It's the danger of intermingling with another civilization. Is that it? Or just the danger of... Um, Progressing as yes. a civilization. There yep. are barriers. Like, yep. can you make it without blowing each other up? Yep, exactly. Or making it through, like, war. Because, like, mm -hmm. right now we're one planet, but we have many different nations. Yes, right? that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're segregated. Yep. And, and that's why there's also a theory that can be mixed with the great filter. And it's that um, there are aliens out there and that they already know of us. And they know of each other. Uh -huh. But since they know that civilizations have to first pass this test going through the great filter yeah. especially they must show themselves to be capable of living with each other uh -huh. living with themselves ah, I see, so, right uh, mm. so um civilizations before they give the others the power of like traveling through um, right. intergalactic space yeah, traveling yeah. at faster than the speed of light they observe first they watch and they see hmm Will these humans be able to survive the challenge of the climate crisis and the nuclear, the threat of nuclear war yeah. or the threat of a pandemic? Let's see. Will they be able to outgrow themselves just blowing up each other for right. the minutest right. of reasons like 
colors of the color of the skin. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they they'd be able to survive that first before we finally reveal ourselves to them and say, "Hey, we're here. Congratulations. Yeah, you've outgrown." your dangerous tendencies and now yeah, we your welcome infant, you your infant stage in civilization yes, indeed. and now we welcome you to the community of yeah. civilizations in the galaxy so very similarly to marco's birthday party it's i was like, gonna say <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say he's still screaming and crying he's 24 he's 25 what's he doing i'm 26 he's 26 now he's still crying and i cried to you in confidence <laughs> <laughs> how dare you bring that up <laughs> anyway, so like, those are bo- all both very interesting uh, theories as mm-hmm. to why um, aliens haven't contacted us. And I will bring up my own theory, mm-hmm. which is called the <laughs> Marcus Mom's Explanation Theory <laughs> to uh, my birthday party. They're all clearly so jealous <laughs> that they didn't want to show up and make my birthday even more stupendous amazing than it was when I was already on my own. So um, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough, mm-hmm. fair enough. Uh, so what do you think about aliens in general, though, Marco? Um, I think they're most thoughts? likely to be possible, and I actually really like uh, your explanation. Well, again, if we're playing the math game again, wouldn't there mathematically be a civilization that would have made it past the planetary um, boundaries if we're playing the math game? I mean, if we, we don't use, know. If we use the math game to justify their existence, why can't we use the math game to justify their because civilization like uh, progression? This is something that's... It doesn't. That gets to the point where we can't math it anymore or can't model. Maybe it out. let's just say that like the point zero 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 one percent of all the civilizations out there in the infinite galaxy, like, uh, infinite stars, out make there, it past the planetary they, yeah, boundary. Exactly, but so. they never make it past the solar. Boundary. Oh, okay, that's a new one. They never yeah, go okay, intergalactic. So can, they never go because there are as many stars as you are. There, there's also j- about just as many galaxies, right? There's a ton, mm-hmm. yeah, a ridiculous yeah, yeah, amount. Yeah. So sure, you can make it out of your star system. You can make it across your galaxy, your intergalactic. And That's still ta- nothing. And by the time you get to Earth, you're so jealous. Because <laughs> of how amazing his birthday party is. You just leave. <laughs> like, right. I mean, there, there could be a stupendous amount of barriers that we, we, we have no we possible have no way. idea. I mean, like we're mm-hmm. still dealing with all the ones here, like mm-hmm. like not being like racist towards each other. Yes. That we yeah, have, yeah. But more to like infinite fuel, infinite mm-hmm. like whatever right. to even mm-hmm. reach each exactly. other and then talk to each other after yeah. mm-hmm. and then make friends and like birthday party and all. But like, yeah. <laughs> I'm still on that. <laughs> like, I'm getting flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine shooting across the galaxy. You've done everything good. Your civilization is perfect. You're super peaceful. Uh-huh. And then you just you just hit a black hole. You're yeah. done for. That's also it. Yeah, that's and true. And a womp, 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 right? Yeah, end game. Yeah, but it's actually really fun to think about because like, uh, like I mentioned this before to you, um, my, my science background, right, is mostly ecology. Mm-hmm. My dream science background would be an astroecologist oh. where I go to other worlds and just kind of just figure out the ecology there yeah. and figure out how it works and try to just make this giant mm-hmm. compendium mm-hmm. of... That is Galactic awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's Basically, a big word yeah. for a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the compendium. <laughs> or it can be, you can make a documentary out of it. Be uh, an intergalactic, um, what's his name? The space again? adventure. Um, the oh, no, Star Trek. Star Trek does that, right? That's literally Star Trek. Yeah, you, you, you basically. You go to new yeah. worlds. And yeah, then, yeah. Like, and, it's, and, and, it's like the whole plot of Star yep, Trek. Yep. Or, be, or make it like a, be, uh, what's his name? The... Um, for for planet Earth, the documentary Planet Earth, who is who's the narrator? Oh, sir, David Attenborough. Yeah, exactly. Be a David but Attenborough, for but for yeah. space. Yeah, Ooh, I like go that. from one planet to another, um, narrating what you observe there. Yeah. That would be yeah. pretty sick. Yeah. That would be. That's a dream. I'm gonna think <laughs> yeah. about that one for a bit. So, Planet Earth is just one of the episodes. There would be like Planet This, Planet That, yeah, imagine, Planet Glorber. Imagine like, if Sir Planet Glorber. Glorber. Imagine if Sir David Attenborough. 
yeah. is already an alien and this is literally just one of his episodes. <laughs> Planet Earth is literally just and an episode. And we only get to him. see this episode because we're the ones yeah. in it. Have yeah. you yeah, that's right. ever like seen <laughs> D- Sir David Attenborough like anywhere else? I don't think so. He's been invited to my birthday, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we know but it's gu- a lie. Guess, guess what? <laughs> Didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Gosh. So Sir David Attenborough, I mean, there hasn't been a nature documentary without him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, that's all I'm saying. It's a little fishy. I'm on you, David. So um, you said you're interested in science fiction. I can yeah. imagine that your interest in astronomy spills over into science yes, fiction. What, the, what are you, what are your um, biggest in- like what what science fiction do you like? Um, like do you like Star a big Star Wars fan, a big Star Trek fan, a big uh, I don't know. Of the two, Star Trek versus Star Wars, I'm on the side of Star Trek. Ah, yeah, I'm that's rare in this day and age. Uh, I'm more yeah, tricky than a Star Wars fan, but mm. I like Star Wars. Although, if I want to be um, really nitpicky, I would it. call Star Wars not science fiction, but science fantasy. Yes. There, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, but not Star Trek? How come mm, it's not sci- science fantasy too? I, g- I would say that Star Trek is more in the side oh, of science fiction. Because there's no fiction. force. Because there's no yes, force. Yes, there's no the yes. force. Yes. specifically. Yes. yes. Mm, okay. Yep. Yep. I like that. Which they tried to explain away with the uh, midichlorians. midichlorians yeah. but oh, God. Yep. <laughs> Didn't work, of course. As yeah, because when a theory yep. in a movie makes yep. people upset, you double down <laughs> <laughs> and keep saying it's always been the yep. midichlorians. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and as we saw, it really worked well. It works better as a science fantasy than as a science fiction when they try to um, convert it into it science fiction. Yeah, yeah science yeah. it up. It didn't work. What, yeah. what made it magical was the magical aspect yeah. of it. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, the, the 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 sword and sorcery aspect of it, but in space. It's literally right? yeah. yeah. It's yeah. literally swords and sorcery yeah. in space. In space, which is what makes it amazing. Um, yeah. Star Trek is really great for a whole different reason, mm. right? And when Star Wars tries to be Star Trek, it really doesn't work because they're just different things, right? right? Um, and I like Star Trek because, um, it's about exploration. It's about what people do when they don't need to work anymore to earn money and mm. feed themselves they just go around and explore you know i yeah. read something yeah. that was like that described how ahead of its time star trek was if you yeah. notice every single person in the crew is of a different race and mm-hmm. different gender there's complete equality in all spectrums because in order to reach interplanetary like um like, as you ah. said like they you have to <laughs> first achieve civil like peace in your yes. like entire home world so I don't know. I thought that was pretty, and it was a show that came out what in the seventies. I'm yes. gonna say yeah. so. Mm-hmm. So to have that concept so early on and to adapt it and like kind of influence people through the media about that sort of like cooperation among I don't know cultures. Yes, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the mere idea of the federation, right? And the backstory of it, how the federation was formed, that it did not form just neatly or just did not um, come out fully formed. That there were growing pains, there were mm-hmm. wars. They often right. speak of the troubles before finally um, they achieved intergalactic peace. So there's that too, like a lesson for us. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's still time. You know what I mean? Once world yeah. peace comes, space cowboying comes after. So <laughs> oh, we have a lot to I look forward wait. to. You know I mean? That's something to push a little bit forward. Yeah. You know what I mean? The sooner we stop fighting, the more we can go kapew in space. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, it's making yeah, me so Make the space so, so aside from those two big franchises, my other favorite um, stuff in science fiction would be, um, as I mentioned earlier, the the series, The Expanse. Right. Really great series. And I mostly like um, short stories oh, and yeah. also 
um, compendium, a collection of um, short episodes like Black Mirror, for example. Is, Black Mirror, uh, ah, so uh, is yeah. the kind of science fiction I like. And in most of the short stories I read, it would be of that kind too, like examination of the way technology affects um, how we humans view ourselves. Basically, how humanity is defined. I love uh, that, and this is gonna prompt my next question. Mm-hmm. Do you believe we're in a simulation? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I believe it, but I very strongly entertain the possibility. The possibility. Yes, and in fact, some people have used the same logic to argue that we I are know. very of, likely. It's, it's almost a certainty yes, we're in a simulation, right? It is more likely that we're in a simulation. Than we're not. Than we're not, yes, because given the size and age of the universe, it's very likely that uh, a civilization got so advanced yeah. that they can just make simulations like v- as, as simple as a school project. Right? Right. And maybe we're in someone's thesis. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're in little Marco's simulation where he, where, he, it's a, where he lives in a world with friends. First of all, in my simulation, um, I would have a birthday party every day and um, everyone would be there except for you. <laughs> For all this uh, funny talk, huh? <laughs> all your mom, your friends, everyone you know, all your loved ones, and guess who can come? Because I have one bouncer, and his one job is to stop you from coming in. All yeah. right, I'm glad. Yeah, so that's the only list. That's right? the only list. Yeah. one that's tattooed on his arm, dude. I'm paying him like a million dollars an hour just to keep <laughs> you out. Well, yeah, that's simulation, Marcos. Simulation. Exactly. It's simulations on simulations. Man can dream. <laughs> yeah, so recently when I when I started learning about the theory behind simulations mm-hmm. and how um like at this point there are like humanity or civilization has basically three possible outcomes. Mm-hmm. One and this goes actually back to escaping planetary boundaries. One is we never escape our planetary boundaries and are forever defined by our physical resources. So very limited and there's not a lot we can do with mm-hmm. it, right? So that's the first one. The second one is we escape our planetary resources, or our planetary boundaries, and we manage to utilize the resources of the universe. And thus, our capacity to simulate and to model becomes mm-hmm. much, much greater. Um, so that's basically the two outcomes. The other possible outcome is we escape the planetary boundaries, but don't use the resources to simulate or to model, which we can almost discard, right? Because it's almost a certainty that Humanity will attempt to simulate and model whenever and whatever they can mm-hmm. to get better informed decisions, right? Um, so it's basically two outcomes. Either one, we can say that we are not in the simulation and we will continue to basically die on this planet and with its resources or that we have and we have the capacity to do that and to create simulations. And if that's the case, then we're probably a simulation because the chances of us being the prime yeah, yeah. civilization it's, is, yeah, is, it's, it's, it's yeah, infinitely small mm. to the point where it's impossible, right? I know it's a fun question to think about. Isn't it kind of arbitrary in the sense that because uh, even if you're a simulation or not, it doesn't affect our immediate like surroundings to each, our nope. communication with each other. Nope. So it's one of those things you can think of for fun, but yep. actually has no real consequence. No, no real consequence. Because I mean, especially to us, because if it's simulation or not, we're gonna live our lives from end to f- from start to finish. 
regardless of whether it's someone exactly. else's project or not. Yep. So you can, and it's not like we can escape the boundaries of, yep, of the simulation we're in, yep. or if, whether it's real life or not. So yeah. it's yep. kind of like it's like it's, kinda for, it's a more of a for fun thing. So if anyone that like, gets existential and confused, like mm-hmm. don't worry, like you're gonna, it's all good. It's you, you're you either yeah. way. You yeah, know what I mean? like at least you have people going to your birthday parties. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. And that, you, and that girl you like still won't talk to you. <laughs> could be worse. Yeah, it, could be worse. There, there's, it's still painful. Everything. Life's tough, man. Okay, but, but what's also amazing is that even outside of that idea of the simulation, like even reality as we perceive it is already a simulation, right? It's a simulation that our brains senses. make. Yes, um, our, our ah, brains, yeah. yeah. Our, our brains have to hallucinate reality into existence, like, for example. Yeah. And that's why science is actually very strange. Because um, if we really dig into what science tells us, it tells us that the stable... By the way, for those who are just listening, there's a table in yes. front of us. This table is mostly made of empty space. Like it's yeah. 99.99999% empty, empty space. space because atoms are mostly empty, empty space, space, right? Um, it, it's just that 0.0001% of the nucleus that is like hard stuff. So it's mostly empty space, but we don't see it as empty space because our bodies don't need to see it as empty space. Right. In fact, our, our bodies, in order for us to, to live in the world that we live in, we need to see it as a solid block of object. Because, of course, um, what makes this um, table solid is the fact that even though it's mostly empty space, the things that are there, the atoms, form a force field. Right? An actual physical force field, a scientific force field, by an electromagnetic field. So that I cannot walk through this because the force field between the atoms will prevent me from walking through the, through the table, right? Yeah. And so my brain will hallucinate it into solidity. And many things are like that. Um, and that's why sometimes there are glitches because our brains try to hallucinate different things. Like, for example, yes. with a dress, right? Ah, yes. Yeah, like color is not a physical thing. In the yes. real physical world, if you look at science, it's just different wavelengths, right? Some wavelengths are long of light, some wavelengths of light are long, some are short. Um, and that's it. But our brains hallucinate color into existence so that we could see blue or red yeah. or yeah, white. Identify and things easier. Yes, and indeed. Make it easier. And, and our brains do it in slightly different ways. And sometimes there would come a thing like the dress that would make us fight over what the color really is. Yeah, the blue, Even gold, though, yeah. brown thing. Yes, yeah, indeed. That. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was an interesting um, And it's not just for sight. It's also for, for sound, like with the uh, Yanni and the Lauren thing. Yeah, yeah. Laurel, yes. yeah. Laurel, Laurel, yeah. yes. Which I could never hear. I could never hear Laurel and I could never see the... The white, white and, and the gold. blue. White and gold. White, white and gold. gold yeah. No, it's always white and gold for me. Yeah, I never see it as blue, blue and, and black. Brown. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So things like that. So yeah. So basically, uh, our brain has to create this um, simulation that we call reality. Yeah. Right. And and which is makes which makes science very counterintuitive because right. then there are things which are common sense but are false. Yeah. And then there are things which are true. But are so counterintuitive, it's just hard for our minds to wrap Under, around. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so and that's the challenge of science communication. To show oh. that science is really a very unique way of looking at the world, so unique that sometimes it will literally blow your well, not literally, it will figuratively <laughs> blow, blow your, your mind. mind because it will show you that um, you really live in a matrix. This world that we see, the world that we hear, yeah. it's a matrix yeah. made up by 
this organ inside our skulls. That's beautiful. That's beautifully said. Um, do you I mind know. if we touch back on force fields? Because yeah, I, yeah. was, I was kind of wondering the whole time. Is, are this, is that... Like is that science fiction or is that possible at any point? No, that is oh okay, a science. Um, oh, you mean like creating like an actual force, force field, field so I can protect myself from my feelings getting hurt, <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> oh, it depends on the kind because um, magnets, right? When you when you play with magnets, what you're feeling there is a force field. Well, that's a force already. field. Yes. Um, yes. What what makes us stick to the earth, right? Is Gravity. a force field. It's a yes. gravitational field. But um, force fields have a very particular um, shape to them and they're they're hard to shape right um, and that's what makes um, the some of, of the ideas in science fiction science fiction yeah. it's that can we shape force fields in the way shown in those movies or the way described in the books um, if we cannot then that's science fiction right interesting yeah. very interesting yeah. and it's actually kind of an, I, lo- I love what you're talking about how uh, basically the human context mm-hmm. right shapes our our perception of things and our science and the and the science behind them, um, like for example, um, what do you call it? the the whole concept of of dark matter, mm-hmm. right? It's something we have no as of yet mm-hmm. uh, means of measuring or seeing or quantifying because it's something completely out of the human experience mm-hmm. to do so. But we know it's there because mm-hmm. of the effect it has on certain things. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I don't know the exact number. You might know, but like how many neutrinos pass through us every, every second? Oh, trillions! Like trillions, um, yeah. So basically, if there's you things shooting through us. Yep, yep, every second. Exactly, and that's so weird, right? That's right. Hard to believe, and if we did not have like mountains of proof to say it, we wouldn't believe it, and we shouldn't. But we just believe what science says, no matter how ridiculous it is, because there's just so much evidence. That's what makes ama- science so amazing: is that it says the most ridiculous stuff. Yeah. But we know it's true because there's evidence for it. Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you imagine, like, Marco, like, right now, there are trillions of neutrinos passing through your body right now, but zero friends at your birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. I bet you had two friends tops, and you're really <laughs> in my face. I swear to God. There's still more than zero. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's kind of crazy to think about. Like, there, there are things passing through us we can't see, we can't mm-hmm. feel, we can't quantify Mm-hmm. Even right, um, yeah, and it's just yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, which makes um, talking about like pseudoscience, for example, and woo, really difficult because um, pseudoscience can be powerful because it it tries to appeal to common sense yes. and intuition. Yeah, right. And That's a lot such of a good point. A lot of pseudoscience, a lot of fake news, really is intuitive. They yeah. sound true, and they're so hard to debunk. Because you have to say a whole bunch of stuff in order to say they're not true. Or they have to conceptualize, even begin to conceptualize why why it's false. But you just need to say one sentence to convince someone that they're true, even though they're actually not true. Exactly. That's a very good point. That's a good way to frame it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's actually, if we go again to the topic of flat earthers, if Mm -hmm. if you look at all their arguments, they're super intuitive. And for for a a layman Mm -hmm. to to debunk, it's... Mm -hmm. It's so difficult. It's yep. tiring. Yeah. It's, it's tiring. Because you'd have that. to sum up basically the, bod- the, 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 the scientific body of work mm-hmm. of the past hundreds or so years mm-hmm. yeah. in order just to get to the point where you prove your point. And that sounds more of a stretch than, mm-hmm. I mean, Occam's razor, right? Yes. Like, what's more believable? Mm-hmm. That the, what I see is true <laughs> or what this guy's saying for the past three hours <laughs> still doing calculations? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. Yes. And that's why that one of the challenges of um, science communication is not just to talk about what we know in science, but to talk about the process and to make people appreciate that the process is long. It takes yeah. it's hard work. Yeah, it's hard it's work. to be appreciated. Yep. yep. And like, it's not just in science, but even in politics, like this whole problem with fake news, it's, um, it all hinges on trust, right? Yeah. Basically, what you're asking people is to trust the institution built around science. And when you're telling them, oh, this is um, fake news and that is not, the other one is not fake news, you're basically telling them to trust one institution over, over the another. other. Yes. And why, why would they? Yeah, why would yeah, they? So yeah, um, yeah. that's why um, even in the question of what is true, what should we believe in, what, is, what, should not, what should we not believe in, the human side of like how we build trust with each other, whom we believe in. That's like the first step in like Yeah, that's really yeah. the first step, yeah. yeah. And that's why you should really build rapport and yeah, you know, approach your audience in a way that makes them um, ma prove, uh, uh, makes them feel that you are like just one of them, basically, yeah. Wow. Hear me, citizens. <laughs> <laughs> I am man of science. I like you. <laughs> I too wipe my butt with the leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. And it, it, my goodness, it's actually about time. Um, mm -hmm. So we've covered so much, uh, and I, I wish we could we could go on for hours. Yeah, about you, this you're topic. a beautiful speaker, and a lot of things you said were also not just smart; they were concise and easily deliverable. So it kind of it kind of speaks to your craft. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Uh, so excellent job. Um, is there anything else you want to shout out really quickly or promote or anything else? A little little love letter to a little missus, if anything. What do you, what do you want to do? Oh, yes. The floor speaking is yours. Of, um, speaking of uh, a space, we, we are going to have um, an astronomy camp. Uh, we, the Mind Museum, are going to offer uh, an astronomy camp this December 14 to 15, and everyone is invited. And it's not just going to be all about astronomy and science. We are really going to link it up with another great tradition, of humans, which is art, which is why we're not going to do it um, here at the Science Museum. We're going to do it at an art museum, nice. at Pinto Art Museum, and we're going to link it with with art because um, astronomy and art really have a very intimate relationship, and that's why we wanted to do it in a space that really reminds people of that fact, right? That it's yeah. not just truth that's um, very important for us humans, but beauty as well, and that these two can really very strongly intermingle. And that would be the theme of this, of next month's astronomy camp. Absolutely beautiful. That's awesome. Marco, you should go. People are going. Uh, no, it's okay. Like, I, I can, I can, they can just not come to my birthday. <laughs> it's all the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thanks for Pisher for this. It was an incredible discussion and it was super... Uh, super enlightening. Super it was. insightful. It, was like, it made me think a lot. Like it was, it was fantastic. Thank you Thank so much you. for coming Thank on. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for having me. We'd be so happy to have you. And absolutely no pressure. You are invited <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Anything worry could about happen. It. Yeah. Uh, so don't forget to like uh, us on social media at scrapyard.ph. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, and also please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, all links that we mentioned, including features and the my museums, are listed below. So uh, yeah. Bye. Thanks everybody. See you guys.
Let's go. Yeah.